It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazard! Gonna go! Touchdown! Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, breaking away, Garrett Wilson, Wilson a big play downfield, Allen tripped up, he could not get past Jermaine Johnson, oh look at the speed of Brees Hall, he's done it again, Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown, and he's sacked again by Quinton Williams, what a beast, number 95 for the Jets, listen, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it is time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So for that, we bring back our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com, Mr. Glenn Naughton. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Thomas Schaefer. He asks, Why is Boyd Crowder growing on me every episode I watch? <laughs> Glenn, I guess I'll handle this one because I don't think you've watched Justified yet. So the reason Boyd Crowder is growing on you with every episode you watch is because he's awesome and he's one of the more compelling characters you'll see in any drama series. The funny story about Boyd Crowder is if you watch the original pilot, Boyd Crowder was supposed to die in the pilot, but the audience reaction was so strong during the test screenings that Graham Yost, who is the executive producer of the show, went to the head of FX and said, I'm having a dilemma. I don't know what to do. And the head of FX said, okay, what's the dilemma? He said, we're supposed to kill off Boyd Crowder, played by Walton Goggins, but the reaction has been so strong to him that I feel like maybe we should keep him. And so the head of the studio said, always follow your gut. If something inside you and the audience reaction is telling you to keep Walton Goggins on as Boyd Crowder, broaden the character out, and keep him beyond the pilot, then go ahead and do it. Also, I don't need to tell you this, but it's Walton Goggins. We love him, so if you want to keep him around, we're all for it. Now, for anybody that knows anything about FX, The Shield was also on FX. Walton Goggins was in The Shield, and The Shield was a very successful show for the network. So obviously the network was all for having Walton Goggins involved in Justified. And honestly, if you watch Justified, it's almost impossible to imagine that show being the same without the dynamic between Boyd and Raylan. Yes, Raylan had relationships and feuds and all that with plenty of other characters throughout the series. I actually think one of the more underrated relationships on the show was Raylan and Art. Art was his boss in the Federal Marshal Program, and so you had a little bit of that Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince McMahon friction, although I'm not saying that Art was a jerk like Vince McMahon. I'm just saying whenever you have a boss and a guy who's a bit of a rebel, there's going to be a clash there. So I really love that dynamic, but really Raylan and Boyd was the meal ticket. That was the feud that sold the soap for the entirety of the show, no matter where they went with the storyline each time, you knew eventually it was going to come back to Raylan and Boyd. And so to think back to that and realize that Boyd was almost killed off in the pilot, it's wild. But that's the reason that you love Boyd is because he's a really interesting character. Walton Goggins is a great actor. He gave that character a lot of depth, brought it to life. And that dynamic between Raylan and Boyd is just the kind of thing that sometimes can make or break a show. 
And that really helped the show become as successful and as fun to watch as it was. Glenn, I can't emphasize this enough. I really need you to watch Justified. That's your homework assignment. <laughs> well, listen, I, I will say this, Scott. It's funny. As you're, I, I'm 100% true. If you were on camera, I'd show you. As you're talking here, um, I look down at my desk and I see a post-it note where I have Justified written there from the last time we talked about it. I did watch the pilot. I loved it. Um, and I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. The problem is with my work schedule, working only nights, I sleep most of the day, can't watch it work. Um, not at the moment anyway, but, uh, I had, I was, I was like on the penultimate season of Vikings. So it's like, well, I got to finish up Vikings, but let me watch the pilot for justified to see if I can get a feel for it. And just the pilot, I was like, yeah, this is going to be really good. So I watched the pilot, loved it finished up Vikings the other day. So matter of fact, now that you're talking about it, I might jump back and justified tonight. Glenn, you will definitely enjoy it. I will say one thing that was kind of disappointing for me is I was reading the details about what the new justified is going to be. And it's basically just going to be Raylan getting transferred to Detroit. It looks like he's the only one from the original cast that's going to be a main cast member. I think we may get some guest appearances from Walton Goggins. And it looks like Jerry Burns, who played Wynn Duffy from the Dixie Mafia. But if anything, maybe we get them in an episode or two. It sounds like it's mostly just going to be Raylan and a new cast of characters. Don't get me wrong. I'm still going to watch it. For Alan Gibbons is on my screen and I have the opportunity to watch something involving that character with Timothy Oliphant playing him. I will. It's just it would be nice if some of the original cast was involved in a regular way this time around as well. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard. He asks, honest question, guys. When will the Jets sign a veteran quarterback that is actually decent to back up Aaron Rodgers? My guess is... They're waiting until after week one so they can avoid a guaranteed contract. What are your thoughts on this? Also, do you have any confidence in Michael Carter, the running back, after last year? So first part of this, yeah, Glenn, we've talked about this. I'm kind of surprised they haven't done anything, but Peter might be right. Perhaps what they're doing is they're waiting for after week one so they don't have to pay anybody guaranteed money as a backup quarterback, and then they'll go out and get some sort of veteran because they can't seriously think that if something happens to Aaron Rodgers, they can get by with Zach Wilson for a few games. And certainly Tim Boyle is not going to be anybody that they're going to be able to do anything with. So maybe that's what they're waiting for at the quarterback spot. Or maybe they're waiting to see who shakes free after June 1st. Maybe they feel like they can get a good deal on a veteran at that point. I guess we're going to find out sooner or later. But Peter, you might be right about the week one thing. As far as Michael Carter, no, I don't have any confidence in Michael Carter. That doesn't mean he can't bounce back. I would like to see him bounce back. But after what we watched last year, I'm a little worried about him because remember, this is a guy who's a smaller guy and he loves to get super physical. And maybe the injuries he sustained season one carried over into season two. And perhaps because of his frame, he's just not physically going to be able to be the guy that we saw at certain points his rookie year. So, yeah, definitely concerned, not confident. I'm hoping that he goes out there and plays well, though. Yeah, listen, Scott, you know, I, I tweeted a couple months ago. I'm, I'm, it, it's one of those things I'm kind of tired of saying it, but it's still a problem that isn't going away. And that is the QB2 situation. I have a really hard time believing this team is going to do all they're doing to become a Super Bowl contender and then leave the season in Zach Wilson's hands if disaster were to strike. And I keep getting these people who say, oh, well, if it's not Aaron and if it's a QB2, we're done anyway. Even if it's Teddy Bridgewater, he's not bringing you to the Super Bowl. And I keep saying, listen, folks, I'm not talking about a 10-week stretch. I'm not talking about a five-week stretch. I'm saying, what if Aaron Rodgers rolled his ankle before the half of a playoff game? 
and you have a lead and you just need a quarterback to come in and hold the damn lead for two and a half quarters. Like, I don't believe Zach Wilson can do that, but a guy like Teddy Bridgewater could. And maybe that's, you know, and the the waiting till week one, you know, Scott, we've talked and other people have mentioned Quan Alexander. I've wondered that with him because he's been out there forever. The Jets haven't brought him back, so clearly he's not a top priority. But if they want him back and they feel like he feels a need, like maybe they're waiting to week one. But same thing with quarterback. That That is a possibility. But I would have just thought a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, I know he's not all that great, but a guy like Nick Foles, like you can say what you want about Nick Foles, but would you rather have him as a guy holding a lead or maybe, you know, maybe you got to win one or two games in a three game stretch. Like you can count on a vet to do that. And people talk about Zach Wilson. Oh, he was five and two last year you know, for a stretch. Look at his numbers during that time. He was terrible. He was being carried by the defense and running game, and I can't believe how many people don't see that. I see people giving him credit. He throws a swing pass to Brees Hall. The Brees Hall takes 85 yards, and everyone's like, oh, look how many yards Zach threw for. Like, give me a break. Like, listen, I hope the kid works his stuff out. I hope he becomes a great quarterback. But based on what we've seen from him, you cannot say we're hoping for the Super Bowl, and oh, by the way, we are keeping Zach Wilson as our QB too. Like those two things don't go together. So I think it's got to be a QB at some point since they've waited this long. They may as well wait till after week one. And, you know, as you said, see who shakes loose. Maybe a vet who can come in and be a stopgap for a week or two or a half shakes loose. And that's who they go after. As far as Michael Carter, I mentioned him earlier and I said, you know, Bam Knight's not going to lay down Travis Isaac, bet a competitive guy, good all around player. I think the, best thing Michael Carter has going for him. And I don't mean this to knock him, although some may take it that way. I think his, his draft status, like they used to pick on him very recently. So I think he'll get every, every chance to make the roster. But if you look at the way he played last year versus Bam Knight, who just, you know, he was a, he, he flashed early, fizzled out after that. But the team was, I, I always say that it's hard for me to fairly grade a player when an entire unit is a mess and their offense was a complete mess. Everyone was hurt on the O-line. The QBs were terrible. So, of course, the running backs couldn't get, get anything going. So I think once the O-line is sorted out, you know, keeping our fingers crossed that happens, and there is some running room, I think Michael Carter could hang around. But I would not be one bit surprised if one of the other two backs on the roster took his spot. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Next question comes in from George Wise. He asks, do you think the Jets are going to bring back Quan Alexander or go another route? It's possible they bring back Quan Alexander, but I think by now you should realize that they don't seem to care one way or the other that much. Whether Quan Alexander comes back, if it was any kind of priority, they would have at least had some sort of talks and maybe we'd be hearing something. But he only has had one publicized visit to the Steelers, didn't sign there. I think if he signs, it'll probably be for a very low amount of money. I think last year the Jets gave him like $2 million, probably be less than that. And I just think the Jets see this as a guy that at this point maybe would be a borderline starter and maybe they think that Jamie and Sherwood surpassed him and don't want to give the spot on the roster to an aging player who they think is probably not going to make any kind of difference. I'd be fine with the Jets bringing back Juan Alexander and maybe they will do it, but it doesn't seem like they're in any rush to do it if they're going to do it at all. Yeah, I thought I said what maybe about a month ago that, you know, Alexander returning kind of felt inevitable, especially thought maybe after the draft you grab him, especially if you didn't use a high pick on a, a guy that plays his spot. Um, and I think that's the way the Jets are probably just looking at it, that he's a guy they like enough that if, if they feel they can get him back on the vet minimum after week one, 
maybe you bring him back. But, you know, you said yourself, Scott, and it's clearly not a, a huge priority for the Jets. Um, I don't dislike Quan Alexander, but I am a little bit surprised by the way, you know, Jets fans collectively, or at least what I've seen on, on social media, they talk about him like he's, you know, like you think he was Lawrence Taylor. Like there's people screaming, like in all caps, like bring him back now, sign Quan. What are we waiting for? And I'm just looking at it thinking he's a good player. But let's not let's not pretend he's the difference between you know where this team is going to go and he's you know he's the difference maker between a playoff spot and a Super Bowl win. Next question comes in from Tony DWB. He asks, "Why did Robert Sala at the press conference the other day basically dismiss the possibility of the Jets getting DeAndre Hopkins? You'd think he'd want to at least leave that door open, if for no other reason than to bluff other teams that are competitors into thinking they'd have to compete with them." And also, why not leave the door open in case Hopkins ends up getting less money than people expect him to? I don't understand what the purpose of these comments were. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Jets in general have a bad habit of this. More Salah than Douglas, although it drove me up a wall when Joe Douglas was asked about Lamar Jackson. And instead of just giving a canned answer and moving on, he basically dismissed the possibility of the Jets even pursuing Lamar Jackson, which made no sense to me because A, why give away the leverage of the potential of going after Lamar Jackson when you're negotiating a trade with the Packers for Aaron Rodgers? You want to at least make the Packers think there are other avenues you could go down. And Lamar Jackson was an avenue they could have gone down at that particular point in time. And B, why not at least consider the possibility of Lamar Jackson in case the Rodgers thing had fallen through? You have to have some sort of backup plan. So that was wild to me. And Salah has done this before, where he'll make a definitive declarative statement, and then sometimes it comes back to Burnham, where he says something, and then it ends up not being the case, and he ends up with egg on his face. Now, if you'll recall, he did say Corey Davis will be here. He did say Carl Lawson will be here. He was very, very definitive about Carl Lawson being here. However... I've heard, and several other people have heard, that the Jets were reasonably close to trading Carl Lawson away. So for Salah to come out and so strongly say Carl Lawson will definitely be on the roster, and then the Jets were very close to a situation where they weren't going to have Carl Lawson, I don't understand the purpose of making comments like that. All you have to do when asked about DeAndre Hopkins is make some sort of canned comment and move on to the next question. Say nothing definitive one way or the other. Say nothing declarative one way or another. And then that way the door is open in case at some point the Jets decide they do want to pursue Hopkins. And even if they don't, as we said, it does put some seeds of doubt in the minds of the other teams that are competitors in the AFC and especially the AFC East with the Bills. So I don't understand the purpose of Salah making that comment. As you said, nothing positive is going to come from that. And that's one of Salah's biggest problems is sometimes he tends to speak a little too much without thinking when he should probably just be more boring like Todd Bowles. I know everybody hated it when Todd Bowles was here because he never said anything, but you also never caught Todd Bowles off guard at one of these press conferences and forced him into saying something he shouldn't have said. And as much as we like Salah's personality and think it's refreshing in one respect, at these pressers, he should be a little more careful about what he says. Yeah, I didn't get it at all. I well, you know, unless as you know, as the question said, and I had the same thought. I think I tweeted the same thing. Unless he's bluffing, you know, I, I and and I I think it was Connor Hughes who asked the question. I could be wrong about that, but you know, worded it perfectly. Like, you know, Robert, you guys were in on Odell, didn't get him. 
are you going to be in on Hopkins? No, we love our room. Well, did you not love the room a few weeks ago when you were in on Odell? Like, what what's changed? I know there's the possibility. It's been discussed that Aaron Rodgers has always wanted to play with Odell or wanted to play with Odell. So maybe that's why the Jets showed a little bit of interest there. But I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. You know, as you listen, as we've said, this is a very short window you've created. You should be going all in. You know, it's not. It, it's not. It's not that you go out and sign every single free agent. You try to add everybody, but you add guys who can be significant upgrades at key spots. And I think that Hopkins offers that. And we've talked about it. Makes this receiver group a middle goes from a middle of the pack group to a top ten group with Hopkins. So if the Jets are in fact sitting this one out and not pursuing it, I really don't understand the logic behind it. It doesn't make sense to me. Go out and get you know. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, he's so great. He shouldn't need whatever. I don't. How many great quarterbacks have we seen with great weapons around them who don't win? Like that, it's not a it, having a great quarterback doesn't lock you in to definitely getting to the Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl. Like surround them with as many high quality weapons as you possibly can, as long as the price is right. And that you know, again, Corey Davis, you save eleven by getting by letting go of him. So if you want to go after Hopkins, you trade or release Davis. That's majority of the money you're going to need for for DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't get that. Interesting note there, though, Scott and Carl Lawson, because I did wonder when the Jets, when he took that pay cut, that was a big pay cut. And you have to wonder, whenever that happens, what 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 did they go to Carl Lawson with? Because he obviously didn't want to take less money, but he was willing to. So I, you have to wonder, like, did they say, look, we'll, we'll either let you go, you know, we'll look at moving you. But, you know, we can't have you with this price. Salah did make a comment. Other than the Odell Beckham thing, yeah, well, that kind of shows that maybe you're not that happy with your wide receiver room because if you were, you wouldn't be going after Odell Beckham. And the interesting part is people will say, oh, well, the Jets try to offer Beckham next to nothing and see if he'd bite. Well, they were bringing him in for a physical, and the Ravens offered him $15 million guaranteed with another three in incentives. Unless the Jets were at least somewhere in the ballpark, like at least north of $10 million, there's no way that the Ravens feel the need to make a move like that and offer that kind of money. So clearly the Jets wanted Odell Beckham. They didn't get him. Now, maybe, as you said, Glenn, the case is that the Jets only pursued Odell Beckham because he's a player that Aaron Rodgers asked for. If that's the case, then I suppose you could say that the Jets were happy with their receiver room and they were only going to go after Beckham because Rodgers wanted them to. Salah couldn't possibly say that in a press conference. But again, even if that's true, there's no reason to come out and definitively say anything. You just make a canned, nondescript comment and move on. That's what they should have done. But obviously, if they were interested in Odell Beckham, there was an avenue that they were considering going down in terms of changing the wide receiver room. If they truly loved everything they had, then that wouldn't even be a discussion at this point. Next question comes in from Sean Stevens. He asks, which Jet do you think is going to be the next breakout player? So this kind of goes along with what we were asked as far as who's going to make a jump this year. I would say that if I had to bet on one player on the Jets to break out in 2023, it would probably be Jermaine Johnson. I just think you saw some nice flashes from him last year. He's very, very polished in the run game, and I think he'll get more snaps and more opportunities this year. And with that, I think he'll make the most of it and take a step up as a player in year two. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, I mentioned Clemens earlier. Johnson's another candidate. I think it is going to be one of those second-year guys playing up front and benefiting from all that depth up there. And again, especially these guys playing on the interior, because 
Quinnen Williams is going to be the guy drawing all the double teams. So that's why I like Clemens. But Jermaine Johnson, as you said, he flashed last year, especially, you know, as, as we mentioned previously, a, a guy who can sort of do a little bit of everything, a good all-around player. So I, I like one of those front seven guys, or, you know, the D-line guys playing alongside Quinnen. Glenn Norton, editor over at JetNation.com. Thanks so much for coming on and answering some questions with me. Make sure to check out everything that Glenn's doing over at JetNation.com. Follow him on Twitter. Check out everything we've got going on over at PlayLikeAJet.com and the PlayLikeAJet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel, so watch those and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash PlayLikeAJet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Frank Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. Public.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's play like jet digital, play like jet.com.